We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Welcome into your program podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Um, we are live right now on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Oregon Football is the place where you can find us. A uh, reminder that we like to do all of our podcasts for the Ducks Dish podcast live on YouTube. So if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any of those podcasts and see them as soon as they are available, Make sure you smash the like button, smash the subscribe button, and uh, hit that live, that uh, notification bell so that you don't miss out on future live streams. But uh, really excited to get into today's episode. Already got some some people in the chat, uh, you know, voicing their excitement. We got Gerard, who's always here. Um, it's Monday, August twenty second, so we are getting closer by the day to the start of the season. Uh, and Gerard says, hashtag Ducks Dish, let's get this program started. We have less than two weeks before the alleged neutral site game in Atlanta. Uh, Simeon, the big screen is here, says, let's go Ducks. Steven's here, go Ducks. Steezy PDX is here. So we got a lot of the regulars here. And uh, we got a couple big things to talk about uh, in today's episode. I want to break down some of the top takeaways from Oregon's second scrimmage of fall camp. Uh, which Dan Lane actually said is probably pretty much going to be the, the final scrimmage of fall camp for the Ducks uh, as that opener against Georgia inches closer by the day. And then we uh, have a little bit of a development on the conference realignment front regarding Oregon and the Big Ten. So make sure you guys stick around so we can get more on that later and uh, hop in the live chat. Let me know what you guys are up to, You know where you're watching the show from, and uh, maybe anything that's on your mind, uh, I'll see if I have time for questions today. I think this might be a little bit of a, a shorter episode, but uh, always uh, invite you guys to hop in there in the chat, participate, and get involved. Uh, but with all that being said, let's hop into some of our kind of top takeaways from the scrimmage. Uh, Saturday's scrimmage was not open to the media, but you know we were able to talk to Dan Lanning and uh, hear his comments about kind of some of the guys that maybe stood out to him. Uh, and some you know broad spectrum takeaways from that scrimmage. So I want to you know jump into some quotes and uh, just also give my thoughts on kind of what it means for Oregon and where they're at right now uh, as uh, they get ready to start the season. I think one of the biggest takeaways uh, that Lanning was very quick to uh, you know very quick to voice 
was that taking care of the ball was a problem for the Oregon Ducks offense um, on Saturday. Lanning said, quote, we did not do as good a job taking care of the ball today. Uh, he also noted that the offense moved the ball well throughout the scrimmage, but there were a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Talked about you know bat being multiple instances of a bad play being turned worse, um, but the offense also did well in what he called the red area, so I'm assuming that is the, the red zone. Um, and uh, he also said that there were four interceptions today, as well as several balls on the ground, and those situations, he kind of just called those ball in jeopardy situations, so... I think on the one hand, it's a little concerning to hear that there were four interceptions. Um, this is the thing that's always so tough about judging, you know, inner squad play, you know, Oregon versus Oregon or, or any team versus themselves. It's always good for one side of the ball, but not what you want to see from the other side of the ball. So in this instance, uh, Lanning talked about how he was, uh, you know, liking what he was seeing from the Oregon secondary, but um, you have a mixture of guys in that quarterback room for Oregon. Uh, Ducks still have yet to name their starter for week one against Georgia, but four picks is never a good thing. Uh, didn't specify, you know, who threw which ones or how many, but collectively as a group, you know, that's the most important position that you got to be taking care of the ball. Obviously that's right up there with the the running backs. So I think um, not the, you know, not the greatest thing that you want to hear uh, with, with ball security being a, an issue in the, the second scrimmage, but Lanning did say that the offense moved the ball well throughout the day. So, you know, you kind of got a, a little bit of a, a give and take. And then he was asked a little bit more about some background information on, on the ball security issues and, and the turnovers from Saturday's scrimmage in Eugene. And he was saying that it was kind of a combination of, of, of that opportunistic defense that you see uh, from Oregon, but also some sloppy defense, not catching it clean, poor decision-making. Um, so I don't think that's all entirely on the quarterbacks after hearing uh, Lanning say that note about not catching the ball cleanly and how that was something that came back to bite Oregon. Um, but it, it's also, you, you don't want to see those, that those decision-making errors from the quarterbacks. So whether that be Jay Butterfield, Bo Nix, Ty Thompson, uh, somebody was, you know, making some errors there uh, as far as just the decision-making um, but not, not something you can, you know, get too hung up on. You got to attack practice this week. And uh, really make sure that that's a focus uh, and a focal point. Uh, if you're the Oregon quarterbacks, Kenny Dillingham, uh, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Oregon, that's certainly going to be something that uh, he wants to hone in on as the Ducks attack practice this week uh, in Eugene. Let's see what else we got today. Um, Landing didn't elaborate on which guys uh, scored touchdowns for Oregon in the scrimmage, uh, the fall camp scrimmage on Saturday. But he did say that Kyler Casper had a really good day and he, and he caught a couple deep balls. So I think we're seeing more, uh, you know, good return on, on Kyler Casper, the true freshman wide receiver who reclassified for Oregon uh, from the 2023 class to the 2022 class. Uh, I think it was either last week or the week before that in fall camp that Kenny Dillingham had spotlighted and you know highlighted uh, Kyler Casper as someone who's doing really well attacking fall camp. Um, Think about it with, with Kyler Casper. He's someone that I think is going to be a real asset for this Oregon team, if not this year, definitely in the future, because we keep seeing over the past you know three or so years, Oregon's wide receiver room has really undergone quite the transformation, certainly under is undergoing a pretty significant one. This uh, had undergone a pretty significant one this offseason, uh, losing you know, Micah Pittman, Jalen Red, Johnny Johnson, Devin Williams. 
Uh, it looked like Oregon finally had that number one wide receiver, and then Devin Williams decided to declare for the NFL draft. So uh, it's it's a little bit of a reset now going into 2022, you know, looking for that new number one guy. And there's a handful of guys on this roster that are really capable, I think, of taking that role and making it their own. You know, Troy Franklin is someone we're going to talk about a little bit more on this episode of the podcast. Dante Thornton is someone that a lot of fans are really excited about, that combination of size and, and, and speed. Uh, we're seeing Jaworski Beckham tweet out those numbers uh, from the GPS tracking system of, of guys hitting their top speed, which I think is a really cool way to, to stay in, uh, you know, up to date with the team and where they're at in, in that regard. But it's, it's really good to see this from Kyler Casper because maybe he is someone that ends up playing uh, a handful of games this year, or maybe he, he plays those four games and he, he has a really good showing but then the, the team feels confident enough in where the wide receivers are at that they maybe don't need him to play. Or you could look at it this way. Maybe he plays early and he's just too good to keep off the field. And you end up having yourself kind of in maybe like a Troy Franklin situation last year uh, where you make the decision to burn that red shirt because he's a, an underclassman and you know, a true freshman that it is just you need to have on your team. Um so I think Kyler Casper is another one of those guys that that has that combination of size, speed, athleticism. If you follow Kyler Casper before he got to Oregon, you were seeing all the crazy slam dunks that he was throwing down uh, at, in high school at Arizona. Um, obviously has a, a pretty elite bloodline with his uh, dad, Kevin Casper, being a former NFL wide receiver, uh, one of the best wide receivers to play at the University of Iowa. So uh, I think the more and more you hear about these true freshmen, young guys standing out, the, the more encouraging it is to maybe think that we might be able to see them early on in the season. Another true freshman that has been catching some eyes in fall camp and has been talked about by mul multiple coaches now is, is Jordan James, the freshman running back out of Oakland High School in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He is a, a big back, no doubt about it. Um, and I think that, let's see what Lanning had to say. I had that written down here. Um, what Lanning had to say about Jordan James after the, the scrimmage on Saturday. He said, Jordan, today he showed me some stuff I really had, I hadn't seen from him yet in fall camp. That was a really pleasant surprise. Uh, Jordan James, I don't know if I told you guys on the uh, updated roster kind of where he um, where he landed, but he was listed at 5'10", 210 pounds. So that is some really good size for a true freshman running back not dissimilar from what we saw from Byron Carwell in 2021 when he was a true freshman out of Morse High School in the San Diego area. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, running back room ultimately shapes out. Uh, Lanny was asked about, uh, you know, if there's kind of a pecking order at running back, seeing that there's a lot of guys there, um, a lot of people that I think you can be confident about, but not a lot of guys that played for Oregon last year, obviously, aside from, from Byron Cardwell. Um, so I think with, with the running backs, uh, we're going to see a, a, probably a pretty decent mix of all of those guys. I would think if, if they're all capable of contributing this year, again, like I was saying with Casper, why not use some of that four game redshirt rule, especially with a guy like Jordan James, who's the youngest back on that roster, youngest scholarship back on that roster it's interesting, too, because running back is a position that, uh, you know, you don't necessarily need to see, you know, need a tremendous amount of preparation for it to play it early. It's one of those positions where you can kind of get to the college level and, and carve out a role for yourself 
pretty quickly. I don't think it's necessarily as intricate as, as quarterback, obviously, as defensive back, middle linebacker. Think about all that you're tasked with doing at those positions, more, more of like a leadership role uh, potentially uh, versus maybe something like that's a more complimentary role with, with a running back. So um, maybe we'll see Jordan James play a decent amount uh, as a freshman. We haven't seen too much of that uh, in recent memory uh, for Oregon when it comes to the running back spot, but that room is just gushing with talent. There's so many guys there that are ready to, uh, you know, take some carries for Carlos Lachlan and the Oregon offense this year. Um, so we got to see uh, what, what happens from that. Kamari Terrell was another true freshman that was spotlighted by Lanning. Uh, all he really said on Saturday was that Kamari Terrell had a big hit, uh, but he was also someone that has been praised earlier on uh, in this fall camp. You'll remember that he's a talented 2022 defensive back signee out of the state of Texas. We're going to have to see where he ultimately lines up, uh, what Oregon kind of does with some of their roster, um, with the way that they have their roster lined up is – they don't distinguish between a cornerback and uh, a defensive back. So with Kamari, um, he's listed on the Oregon roster at 6'1", 174 pounds defensive back. Um, so I think he was listed in high school as a safety. Uh, but like I've kind of talked about throughout the, the off season, and as we kind of get in here to the season uh, in 2022, I think I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more shaky about Oregon's depth at cornerback. So Maybe that's someone we see get a little bit more reps, uh, maybe carves out a special teams role as a freshman. And I think that's another thing that's valuable is just because you don't play as a true freshman at your designated spot, right? Like we're talking about Kamari Terrell. Think about how valuable that speed would be on special teams as a gunner on punt, punt coverage, or maybe in the return game, we see him get involved there. Um, I think that a lot of the best players on people's teams play you know on multiple units right on defense or offense and special teams so maybe we see Kamari Terrell make a bigger impact there Oregon obviously has a lot of talented guys uh and that are underclassmen as far as the, the secondary goes Jaleel Tucker Jaleel Florence uh who was an early enrollee in spring ball for Oregon um but good good to uh see some continued praise for Kamari Terrell um as uh you know the media kind of asks Lanning and tries to pry a little bit more uh, about uh, guys that are standing out here. Kind of another broad takeaway uh, from Lanning on Saturday's scrimmage is that he saw a lot less thinking and a lot more playing from the young guys. I remember that this was a big talking point last year when former defensive coordinator Tim DeRuiter was implementing his system, and he was talking about how he was tasked with, with uh, you know, uh, instructing the defense, implementing the defense, but not doing too much of it. Uh, because you don't want guys to overthink. You want them to just be able to trust their instincts and go and just attack the ball, uh, be confident in their movements. Um, so a lot less thinking and a lot more playing uh, from the young guys is definitely something that that's good to hear from Dan Landing. And kind of on a similar note with that, uh, Landing said that there weren't any new plays that were put in on Saturday, not a lot of mental errors, but rather mistakes lining up, quote, which is what you want. So uh, it sounds like Landing's really, you know, hammering home that point that we saw a little while ago. I had a story over on Ducks Digest last week just about has Oregon turned the corner in fall camp. Landing said earlier last week that he thought that that one of, I can't remember which day off the top of my head, but he said that Oregon turned in their best practice of fall camp. Um, and, and I think that 
we're seeing that continue to trickle over here, right? As they have their second scrimmage and then look for some of those jumps from the first scrimmage to the second scrimmage. Um, so the fact that Oregon is getting more confident in what they're doing, um, you know, maybe not having those mental errors that were a little bit more prevalent or common in uh, the earlier days of fall camp is, is a good sign uh, because not only obviously do you have the coaching transition, but you have some new scheme that you have to put in. And in particularly for this defense, there's just been uh, a, a big lack of continuity. Um, just when you think about some of the guys that have, have been at Oregon, maybe Steve Stevens is one of them that I believe was talking about it earlier in fall camp. You had, he's been through, uh, I think this is his fourth defensive coordinator. Um, let me see if I'm counting that right. Cause you had Andy Avalos from 19 to 20, uh, and then you had Tim DeRuiter in 21. And then now you have Tosh Lapoy. So I guess that would be three, but the point I'm trying to make is that not now you have the coaches that are settled in and, you know, they've obviously built all these great relationships with the athletes, with the players, and they kind of know the ins and outs of those players. But now the players still have to really get um, up to speed on the playbook and, and making sure that they're able to be confident where they're lining up and being able to trust themselves, know where their help is when they're in the secondary or when they're uh, what moves they can go to when they're, uh, rushing the passer. Braden Swinson has talked about how he took a lot from Kayvon Thibodeau as far as some of the the uh, techniques he was able to learn from Thibodeau when when he was at Oregon with him. You know, his first step, his, his get off, his uh, I think it was a uh, ghost spin or or ghost dip. I can't remember what it was, but it was something with ghost in it. So it sounded really cool. Um, so all that to say, it really does feel like from what we're hearing that Oregon is getting more comfortable with their defense. Uh, that was kind of a big focus as far as what we were talking to Dan Lanning about following that scrimmage on Saturday. Um, let's see here. Um, prior to the scrimmage, offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham said that he was hoping to see some better tempo from the Oregon offense. And Lanning said that there was definitely some good pace of play from the scrimmage on Saturday and, and that they're continuing to see, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but continuing to see more of that measure to growth, I think. And I think that the tempo is going to be one of them because that was something that we really didn't see utilized by the Oregon offense too much last year under Joe Moorhead. And, and you know, say what you want about uh, Joe Moorhead and Mario Cristobal kind of butting heads last year. That was obviously something that was going on just with how dry and vanilla the play calling was, how predictable that Oregon offense got. Um, because Joe Moorhead had made a name for himself as one of the best offensive coordinators and play callers in the country. But Oregon's offense just, you know, slowed down to a halt at various times last year. Um, and I think that I say all that to say that I don't think that Oregon utilized tempo as well as they could have last year. Um, so it's good that that's been a focus from from really the the beginning of spring ball uh, to now. Tempo has been a focus. And we did see that at various times throughout the spring game. And, and that uh, has continued to go on over into fall camp. So that was another good update that we got. Earlier in the week, Dillingham praised uh, Troy Franklin and um, just the, the growth that, that he's seen from him and how, how he's been a steady contributor throughout fall camp. Landing said that Troy Franklin had a, a nice little toe tap fade catch on the sideline, said that he's uh, been consistent overall and quote, he's shown up in the last few weeks for sure. So it sounds like Troy Franklin has seen, uh, you know, some really good growth from year one to year two, seeing that he was the youngest wide receiver that was really called upon to take a pretty big role last year. Um, I remember he got shaken up a little bit. Um, and then we saw a, a little bit of Dante Thornton, right. in that Stony Brook game where he took his first college touch to the house for a touchdown. 
Uh, and then he was also utilized a little bit more down the line uh, in that Utah game and the Alamo Bowl game. Uh, I believe Franklin and Thornton both had touchdowns in that Alamo Bowl game against Oklahoma. So uh, we're going to have to see what kind of uh, what kind of a leap those guys can make in 2022. But I think that they're definitely going to be very valuable weapons for the Oregon wide receiver core uh, as we get into the 2022 season. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the Ducks Dish podcast. Uh, and then we're going to continue with some more takeaways from Oregon football's second scrimmage and really final scrimmage of fall camp on the other side. And then we're going to get into some more realignment talk. So don't go anywhere. We got more Oregon football discussion coming up for you after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in wherever you're tuned in. If you're tuned in here live on the YouTube channel, really appreciate that. Just wanted to ask you guys to go ahead and, and hit the like and subscribe button. That is a tremendous help for us, and it only takes a second out of your day. Um, we got, uh, let's see, we got we got Gerard watching from the 408, so my, my home area code. Um, we love that. Uh, and then we have uh, Brad's Adam saying watching from country code 971. I believe that's the Portland area. Um, so shout out to you guys tuning in. Uh, but let's get back into some more takeaways from the second scrimmage. Wasn't able to get to this uh, over the weekend. So I definitely wanted to hop on here and just give some updated thoughts and commentary on what's going on with Oregon and fall camp and kind of where they're seeing the growth and where they need to maybe see some, some more, uh, put some more work on, uh, or work on some more rather, uh, another area that it's going to be pretty interesting to follow here as the season gets closer is, um, the number, um, the number three cornerback, uh, Dan Lane was asked about the number three outside cornerback. We have a couple guys that are still competing for that position. And, uh, one of them, uh, we know right, right now it looks like uh, Christian Gonzalez is going to be 
I mean, it hasn't been announced or, or um, you know, confirmed yet, but it looks like Christian Gonzalez is going to be the, the go-to cornerback for Oregon, that number one corner. Uh, and then after that, it's, it's pretty up for grabs. It was going to be DJ James, I think. He obviously transferred to Auburn, so that was a hit to Oregon's depth uh, there at cornerback. Um, but uh, Lanning was saying that that number three outside cornerback is still up for verdict. He was saying that we've gotten a lot of reps and there's been good production in the secondary. Obviously, when you have four interceptions in a spring game, uh, sorry, not a spring game, in that scrimmage, you're going to be able to hang your hat on that as a defense, right? And, and I think for, for Lanning, it's good because you can see that you have some guys in the secondary that are clearly capable playmakers, and they can come up with some big plays, some big stops for you when you need it. But then you're left questioning, okay, well, what was the quarterback seeing? What was the running back doing or the receiver or the tight end? Um but there's a lot of guys that are still in the competition here with uh, the rest of that cornerback room. Um, Dante Manning has been someone that's been spoken pretty highly of. He's really been banged up, you know, a little bit since he's gotten to Oregon, played a lot of snaps last year, but I don't think that he had the the season that he was hoping to, to have. Um, so he's probably one of the more athletic cornerbacks that Oregon has uh, really kind of twitchy guy, fast guy, ran track in high school, um, but just hasn't necessarily been able to put it together yet. Uh, since he got to Oregon so he's had those reps and now is a little bit of a prove it year I would say I believe he is one of if not Oregon's highest rated defensive back signee in program program history um, I'd have to double check that one uh, but I think that Dante Manning is someone that's gonna need to step up this year um, Triquez Bridges is someone that offers a lot of positional versatility there in the secondary seeing that he came to Oregon as a safety and then really had a lot of snaps last year as a cornerback that that battle between Dante Manning and Triquas Bridges uh, for like the number two, number three corner really trickled into the season, right? You know, Oregon was feeling pretty solid about their depth there. They had Mikel Wright and DJ James. Uh, those guys both came up with some big plays uh, in the Ohio state game. DJ James obviously had that pick against UCLA, but those are got Those guys are gone now. So, um, and you've got to find guys that can make up for that production. Um so you have other people that are still in the mix there. I already talked about Bridges and, and Dante Manning, Darren Barkins, uh, Avante Dickerson. Avante Dickerson was a, a high school All-American uh, coming out of uh, the Nebraska area. So what kind of jump can he take? Is he going to be able to um, be someone that they have that faith and that confidence in when the season comes around to really give him a lot of snaps? Uh, the Ducks also lost Jalen Davies. He's now at UCLA. So that that secondary saw some, some big shakeup. Uh, from a year ago so let's see what else we got here um hold on the last big update um which isn't a huge update but from the scrimmage um landing was asked about special teams and kind of kicks and what was going on there what he was seeing there and he was saying that the ducks missed some of the more difficult kicks uh they really made it a point to put some pressure on the kickers and, and put them in some tricky situations some unique situations uh but but landing was saying that they basically missed some of the more difficult ones, but they hit the ones that they were supposed to hit. So kind of a neutral day there as far as growth on special teams, particularly with the kickers. Uh, and Oregon's got a pretty heated, uh, you know, pretty contested kicking competition right now, right? Camden Lewis comes back after having a really strong season last year, but then the Ducks brought in a couple, uh, a couple of new names, a couple of new faces. Uh, you obviously have Alex Bales, who comes over from Cincinnati, um, I think that he was, it was interesting because I think he was saying in his media availability that he was uh, a former walk-on 
and I think he's still on the uh, a walk on, but he's just really thriving in Eugene, loving the community and, and getting close to those guys. And you also have Andrew Boyle, uh, who comes over from Washington State. He's a junior, um, so certainly healthy to have that competition at the kicker spot. Um, those guys are all pushing each other, and it's it's an area that uh, I think Oregon can definitely grow in. But I wouldn't say it was a concern from a year ago. I think I have you have to give Camden Lewis some props for sure uh, on his development there and then um the punting the punting game i'm gonna be really interested to see what the punting game looks like especially with tom snee stepping away from the program for for mental health he he uh said he wanted to prioritize his mental health uh that was i think over a month ago now but um pretty interesting because will hutchinson was the only punter that was available uh for oregon during that spring game and he had a really good showing and then he transferred as well he entered the transfer portal so Oregon's punting, punting, uh, you know, starting punter is, is wide open right now. So I'm curious to see what that kind of looks like uh, moving forward. Um, but we know that this staff is going to be prioritizing special teams, and, and it should definitely be an area of strength under new special teams coordinator uh, Joe Lorig from Penn State. So let's see if we uh, have a couple comments we can get to here before I get into the next topic. Um, all right. Gerard has an interesting question here regarding running backs. Will RB one for Oregon this year have more or less than a thousand yards? No offense to Cardwell or anyone else. I think it will be under since we will be passing more. Well, let's take a look at the stats from last year and just kind of get a little bit of a little bit of comparison. Um, because I think it'll be, it'll be something to watch for sure. Um, I'm trying to pull this up here on my end on the screen. So give me just a second here. All right. So let's go to the individual stats. So last year, Oregon had Travis Dye as the leading rusher with 1,271 rushing yards and 16 touchdowns. And then Anthony Brown was number two with 658 rushing yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, I think... I still feel like Oregon's leading rusher can have more than a thousand yards. I think Oregon's definitely going to be passing the ball a lot more this season, which is absolutely an encouraging development. Um, given all the pieces that they have on offense that just really haven't gotten a chance to shine. Um, because I also, I also think that you need to factor in here uh, how much the quarterback's going to be running. I think that that kind of feels like a game by game basis uh from what we've been able to hear from landing and, and dillingham as far as how much they want to run the quarterback but i think that's absolutely going to be an element of this oregon offense um but we also have to see how the rotation ultimately shakes out right um the, the ducks have a bunch of really talented backs you have cardwell there bucky irving uh sean dollars who's back and, and healthy and ready for uh you know hopefully a full 2022 season noah whittington as well so i feel like part of this answer really depends on what the running back rotation looks like for Carlos Lachlan and, and the Oregon Ducks. It, it, I would say just from the people that I've talked to, it, it looks like Oregon's going to have kind of a dynamic duo situation and then a third running back coming to, to spell there. But if they're able to really run behind this offensive line and the offensive line is as good as they should be, I think we'll see a lot of big explosive run plays as well. Um, but I think that, even though they are going to likely be passing the ball a lot more, I still think that I still think that Oregon's running lead running back 
can go for more than a thousand yards, but great question there, Gerard. I appreciate it. All right. We have another comment here from Brian Thompson talking about the scrimmage. Dan's comment on not making a bad play worse makes me wonder if the growth in that area isn't happening. He seemed frustrated. Yeah. I think that was, that was something that we heard back in the spring, right? We were talking to, Kenny Dillingham and just asking him about his thoughts on the quarterback and, and the quarterback room and, and where those guys need to grow. And um, I think with, with Ty, it was still processing the speed of the game with Jay. It was his footwork. Uh, and then with Bo Nix, it was not making a bad play worse. So maybe some of that happened in the scrimmage on Saturday. Um, like I said, there weren't any specifics that were made readily available as far as who had what kind of turnovers or, you know, what the situation was there before interceptions. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe that is an area that they still need to grow in. Cause uh, I think Lane also talked about, he also talked about balls on the ground. So maybe there were some, you know, running backs that, that were fumbling the ball a little bit. Um, maybe that there's some more growth that needs to happen in that area. I know that last year turnovers definitely cost the ducks um, in some big time situations. You know, they were cruising against UCLA and then two interceptions from Anthony Brown kind of brought them right back in that. And they were knocking on the door um so so that's a tough one uh without a doubt um we'll just have to see uh against georgia whoever is named the starter at quarterback and running back are they able to take care of the ball that's something that we're gonna have to to keep an eye on and and see we'll learn very quickly i think how much of a priority that was this season or how much growth they were ultimately able to make there uh because you're having a, a massive matchup there with a very imposing defense in georgia and kirby smart all right. Brooks says Christian Gonzalez's family is from Columbia. Interesting that he chose football over football. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that his family was from Columbia, but um, I'm sure that Duck fans are, are, are happy that Christian Gonzalez is playing uh, American football, um, you know, in the States for Oregon. Um, but he, he uh, really starred coming out of uh, um, Texas. I believe he played his high school football in Texas and then he, really shined under Demetrius Martin uh, at Colorado um, as one of the best defensive backs, if not the best defensive back on that team at that school. So Christian Gonzalez is someone that I think has a lot of expectations to live up to, even though it's his first season at Oregon. Uh, Not only have the coaches been talking him up, I I mentioned last week how Bruce Feldman listed Christian Gonzalez as one of the top 100 freaks, I think, and, and college football, I believe Oregon had four or five guys make that list, but uh, he's someone that definitely has some big, big expectations. All right. We have a, um, let's see, we've got some more questions here. This one comes from Hokage. Hopefully I'm saying your name, right? Apologies if I'm not. Hokage asks who will be the best receiver this season? Uh, well, if we're trying to maybe just project a little bit or predict on, you know, um, I think, I feel like I'm going to go, Dante Thornton is going to lead the Ducks in receiving yards. And I think that Troy Franklin is going to lead the team in catches. Um, I think that he, he has some of the most consistent hands on the team. Very reliable. Um, now the question is going to be um, for, for this, right? It's two part a little bit, you know, Troy Franklin caught a lot of short to intermediate passes last year, but is he still going to be able to have those consistent hands when they open up the playbook a little bit and push the ball vertically? Uh, he had that amazing catch uh, from Anthony Brown uh, in the Alamo Bowl. So that was awesome to see. And then for Dante, how how is he going to be getting involved in the offense? You know, is he going to be primarily a deep threat? Are they going to make 
Are they going to make Dante someone that they use in a variety of ways? Because we saw what he can do if he gets the ball in some space. That guy can go 0-100 to really quickly. I know that he's working on playing a more physical brand of football this year, especially with that muscle that he put on. Um, So I think I'm going to go with that now. I'm going to say Troy Franklin leads in catches. Troy Franklin or Chris Hudson, I think, maybe lead in catches. Um, You could also certainly put Chase Cota in the mix there. I know a lot of people like him as a third down wide receiver, you know, moving the chains and and that kind of a role for Oregon. Um, But then maybe just because of the the, uh, yak capability and ability of Dante, maybe he's going to think maybe he's going to be someone that someone that really makes an impact this year. Um, okay. Another question. What round do you think Dante Thornton will get drafted in? This is a really tough one to project because we just haven't seen much of a sample size from Dante, but everything we've heard, everything that we've seen is, is, you know, Dante is shaping up to be the next big receiver for Oregon to take a, a big leadership role in that room. Um, even though you have some good veterans like Caleb Chapman, Isaiah Crocker, um, Chase Coda, who comes over and kind of has that unique blend of being the new guy and being one of the most experienced receivers in that room. Um, so those are people that you have to talk about. And then, yeah, Caleb Chapman comes over from Texas A&M, and he's played a lot of football, but he's battled some injuries, unfortunately. So um, it's a little bit hard to answer this question until we see a little bit more uh, from Dante. I, I think I need to see what Dante Thornton can do with a full season of work at having a much bigger role. All right, uh, Cameron's here. Cameron Matthew says, Oregon going to beat Georgia. Uh, a couple of duck emojis and the 100 emoji. Uh, yeah, I think I can I can see it happening. I don't know if I'm ready to predict that just yet. We'll definitely have a roundtable score predictions uh, story out on Ducks Digest uh, come game week. Uh, but that's definitely in the game that, that a lot of people are excited for. Um, I know that our photographer, Scott Bolt, is going to be at that game. That's the plan as of right now, knock on wood. Um, but shout out to Scott with really hoping he can uh, you know, make the trip and then just got to get the credential approved, but we'll, we'll have to see there. Uh, going to be a fun one. Going to be a fun one. No doubt about it. Saturday, September 3rd for that one. Brad's Adams asked, will Justin Flo and Sue will be first team all pack 12? Um, I think that this is definitely in the realm of possibility. I wrote a story earlier today on Monday about how uh, Noah Sewell was named um Noah Sewell was named to the preseason AP All-American first team. Uh, That was definitely a great distinction for him. I mean, what distinction is Noah Sewell not getting ahead of this season, right? He enters his third season at Oregon, but he's still only a sophomore, but uh, figures that this will be his last season with the Ducks, uh, looking to see him take strides in in his coverage um, and, and, you know, maybe just the playmaking ability. But he's, he's really done that at such a high level. He's definitely one of the most proven pass rushers on this team. He's an absolute menace in the run game uh, and really likes getting after the quarterback. And then with, with flow, I think all the tools are there. He, he really just needs to stay healthy, right? There's, there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to, to be a first team all pac 12 kind of guy. And, and I feel like there's more buzz of him kind of going to the league just after this next season, it would almost feel like it was like a football one and done, right? Because he's just been injured and we haven't seen him play a full season. Um, so I think that this is certainly a realistic possibility provided that uh you know he can he can stay healthy um all right what else do we have here i wanted to get to my last story of the day and that is on the realignment front there is a story that came out uh today 
on Monday from Brent McMurphy of the Action Network that uh, Oregon and the Big Ten had begun preliminary expansion discussions in Chicago. Uh, so this is big just while we continue to follow the realignment uh, chaos and you know everything that's coming from that. Um, so this was big because just last week, uh, the Big Ten announced a seven-year, the, the Big Ten signed a seven-year, $7 billion deal with uh, a multitude of uh, networks, right? You had this deal, $7 billion, $8 billion with Fox, CBS, NBC, Peacock, and FS1 all involved. Uh, that deal starts from July 1st, 2023 and runs through June 30th of 2030. And uh, so you have that. And then you also have, uh, you know, in the past month or so, I believe it was last week, McMurphy also reported that the Big Ten said they were, quote, uh, the Big Ten is, quote, not done expanding. Uh, so it looks like they're still trying to add more teams in the mix over to that conference. So that would be, this is positive developments for Oregon. Also because uh, it's been reported that uh, there's a handful of teams, right, that the Big Ten is really interested in and is kind of making a priority. So Notre Dame, I think we know, is, is the biggest one, still kind of waiting for some definitive uh, action or definitive statement from Notre Dame saying that they're going to be uh, staying independent or maybe that they are going to be joining the Big Ten. Uh, but I feel like Oregon is probably one of those teams that is right there after Notre Dame as far as priority additions for Kevin Warren and the Big Ten. Um, a couple other schools that have been reported as uh, being pursued by the Big Ten uh, for expansion is Cal, Washington, and Stanford as well, um, with, with those guys uh, in the mix because they want to ease travel concerns for USC and UCLA with them being the, the lone Big Ten schools out on the West Coast as it stands right now. Um, so I don't think that this is super groundbreaking, you know, this report today from, from McMurphy. Um, but it's, it's good news if you're an Oregon fan, right? Because I think most Oregon fans want to head to the big 10. If, if you're, if you're an Oregon fan and you don't want to head to the big 10, maybe you leave a comment uh, in the live chat or on the video, if you're watching on replay saying where you do want Oregon to go or what, what you want Oregon to do with uh, this conference realignment. Uh, do you maybe even want them to stay in the Pac-12 or try to go to the Bay 12? They have some kind of super merger, all right? Um, everything still has to be on the table, but I think that the smartest option um, the smartest option for Oregon is to go to the Big Ten. Uh, it's just kind of a matter of time. Um, I think that up until this story from, from Murphy McMurphy, um, the fact that the, some people are of that, that uh, camp not hearing anything is good because that means things are happening behind the scenes, right? And Oregon's also going through a leadership change. President Michael Schill um, recently took the job as the new president at Northwestern. So kind of interesting that that this story comes out, the, the new media rights deal for the Big Ten just happened, and then now Michael Schill is going to Northwestern. Uh, an important um, note on this story, right, with Oregon and the Big Ten having preliminary expansion talks, uh, Michael Schill, Oregon AD Rob Mullins, and Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren were not involved in the discussions in Chicago, uh, according to a source that McMurphy uh, cited in the story. Um, you know, not a huge surprise, but there weren't any specific names that were cited as sources. Um, so wanted to throw that out there. Um but there, there's also been reports that the Big Ten is going to be expanding beyond 16 schools, maybe going 
as big as a 20 school conference. And then that's kind of what Christopher is getting at here saying, please join the big 20. Uh, also adding, I can't wait to keep beating the Wolverines uh, talking with, um, talking with, you know, um, with Michigan and seeing uh, some good matchups with, with Oregon and Michigan potentially uh, in, in the future. So not a lot of like really big specifics as far as who was involved in these conversations, but there's a, an HBO Real Sports uh, interview that is airing tomorrow on Tuesday. And in that interview, uh, Kevin Warren said that he could foresee the Big Ten eventually expanding to 20 teams. Uh, so if he if the Big Ten gets as big as 20 teams, then I think you could really you're really seeing the reality there of a quote super conference. Um, so I, it's it's not a huge update, but it's it's notable. So I wanted to make sure I got it in here on on this episode for you guys to to kind of pick your brains about it and just hear what what thoughts you guys have. Um, Brad's Adam saying four team West Coast pod would make it easier for those teams in the pod. Um, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, maybe we do pods in the Western region and that could help with some of these other smaller schools that are, are still kind of reevaluating their, their conference future. Uh, we know of course that BYU is headed to the big 10, sorry, big 12. Um, and then San Diego state is, is kind of one of those bigger markets that's still kind of, uh, available or that you can tap into a little bit in, in the West coast region. Um, so we're just going to have to keep evaluating and seeing what new information comes out. Uh, you know, who's saying what, what, uh, how specific are these conference figures, these, you know, big wigs like Kevin Warren uh, with, with uh, the big 10. Um, and what does George Klyovkov have to say? Because that's another thing with the PAC 12 is that they're in the process of looking for a new media rights deal. Uh, I believe they they're in search of one to uh, start in 2024. Uh, that, of course, being the first season when USC and UCLA will be playing in the Big Ten. Uh, so there's plenty to monitor uh, as we kind of look to see what the Pac-12 does in that regard. When we were talking to George Klavkov at Pac-12 Media Day in Los Angeles, he was talking about how it looks like there's going to be a major streaming partner that's involved here. We're already seeing that with the Big Ten's media rights deal that they had last week with Peacock being involved, with that being a newer Amazon product, I believe. Um so I think all options are on the table, but it, it really feels like with this massive deal that the Big Ten signed, whatever the Pac-12 does is kind of going to dwarf in comparison to the numbers that we're seeing here from the Big Ten uh, with obviously revenue driving so much of this. Uh, the last thing that I would say that's interesting about this media deal uh, that uh, McMurphy also reported on earlier this month, last week, is that the contract includes an escalator clause, meaning that the deal could approach nearly $10 billion if the Big Ten's membership increases. So obviously with this new media rights deal, it's encouraging the Big Ten to continue expansion uh, because then there's more money to be made. Uh, so we'll see if there's any any kind of definitive uh, action here, any new updates to that we can get into and, and share with, with you guys here on the Ducks Dish podcast. But that's going to do it, you guys, for another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Just about 45 minutes today on Monday, August 22nd. want to give a huge thank you to all you guys who are tuned in on the live chat uh, here on YouTube. It was very active today. Um, really want to just keep growing the Ducks Dish community. Uh, love to you know, interact with you guys and just see all the 
all the support. Gerard knows the deal here with the, my usual spiel as we wind down here, but um, yeah, big favor. Ask you guys like subscribe. You guys know all the deal, the, all the rules there and then share the duck dish podcast with your friends, family, and other duck fans and hit that notification bell. So you don't miss out on future episodes of the duck dish podcast, but I'm your host, Max Torres, and that'll do it. We will see you on the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast.